Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello. Welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad, and today is a splittery, splattery, rain drip dropping on my roof kind of day. I love those days. Gentle wind, teeny bit of rain, lots of gray overcast, because it's a Sunday as I record this, and on a Sunday with that little bit of weather, I feel very private. I feel like nobody will come over, and I can have a lazy day, not brush my hair, and wear my jammies. So that's the state I'm in, and that's what you can imagine. Some lady sitting in her rainy house day and wearing her jammies. I'm really excited because I had a guest set up for today, and she didn't show up. And because of that, I was chatting with my son and saying that she didn't show up, and we were talking about some stuff. And I said, oh, my gosh, why don't you do the show? Because you're autistic, so it's perfect. And uh, he's been on the show before, but it was a long time ago. I think it's a great time to have him back. Because it is my son, I may forgo the stories from the road and the, uh, well, the great guest giveaway. I've been forgoing forever. I've just been giving you stuff. But um, I may forgo it because we may be doing stories the entire time. Or I may wrap it up and do stories from the road to make it all make sense. And not about my son. We'll see. So um, I always do that very spontaneously. Whatever story comes to mind that is based on the information that came up at the time. So I think you're going to be blessed right now because I would like to introduce you to my son, Rye Shelton. Hi, Rye. Thanks for being willing to do it. Hey, Mom. Well, you can say hey to everybody, too. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. (laughs) All right. So the reason I thought it was great is you and I were talking about something. You were saying you're having, like, a lazy day, and we were just talking about how boredom affects the brain, especially the brain of someone who has autism. So can you remember way back to when you had autism and you were a little kid? Yeah. Do you think Uh, you still have autism? A little bit. I love that answer because it's a big question in the world where people say, well, if you have autism, you have it for life. Um, And then other people say you can stop having autism because now your brain is functioning differently. What are your thoughts on that before we go into your past? Do you think you could ever not have autism or do you think it's something that will always shape you a little bit? It will shape me a little bit. Is it a good thing? Yeah. Why? Um, because I sometimes think outside the box than other people. Ah, and does that give you different answers from other people? Yeah. I think you're also not embarrassed in the same places. I know that they had just had a parade where you are, right, and they were throwing candies out? Yeah. Yeah, and your sister called me and she said, well, we were driving and we saw a ride there with a bag going around looking for candies. So it's so like him. So do you think that, did you see anybody else looking for candies? Yeah, lots of people. Really? Oh, my gosh. Oh, what a, you definitely are a small town. <laughs> 
when did you really see other people with a bag walking along the side of the road way after the parade was done looking for candies? No. Do you think Declan would have done it? Probably not. Why not? He, he cares so much about what people think. So that's what you mean by looking outside the box. There's nothing wrong with looking for candies. It's kind of smart. All right, let's talk about boredom because that's really the subject. I was using, I was only bringing up the candy thing, Ryan, not to make you feel self-conscious at all, but to help you to prove that you're right. Sometimes you think out of the box. You know what the box is? Yeah. You know what, you know, no, I mean, most people only think, you know, only think, uh, think of an example. Would you she, like to help with that? Okay, go ahead. See what other, what most people don't see. Right, you do see what most people don't see. The box, as it's referred to when they use that saying, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that the box means so busy thinking according to the rules, like the rules you were taught in school, the rules of manners, the rules of um, the law, the rules, that they're so busy thinking inside the rules that they can't tell when a rule makes sense or not. So that makes a box for them. They end up thinking only of things that would fit inside the rules. And because of that, they then don't get creative and do stuff that they really want to do. And that can lead to negative emotions, and that kind of matches what we were going to talk about. So when you were a kid, one of the things you used to do is, <laughs> oh my goodness, I remember when we lived in Pasadena and you would go out the window, run around the house, come in the door, go out the window, run around the house, come in the door, and you did that for so long, over and over again in the night. And... A, a person who's thinking in the box wouldn't say, my body needs this. What can I do to be exciting and fun so that I can relax and go to sleep? They would say, oh, I'll get in trouble. I can't do that, even though they wanted to. So then they might end up feeling upset and crying or being angry because they can't do the thing that came to mind. So that's what a box is. A box is, is not a real Construct. Nobody's in a real box. You're in a box of manners, a box of rules, a box of controls that are put on you. Does, does it make sense now? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about boredom because that's what you and I were talking about. So when you were a kid, you were like never bored. In, at least at home, because you were able to do all of these really crazy, goofy, fun, silly things, right. like going out the window and around and coming back in. So can you think of a, of a time you were bored and how it affected you? Um, when I was a kid? Sure, or now, because we were talking about now. Today was a lazy, boring day, and that's what got us talking about it. So whichever. Well, I mean, I don't remember being ever when I was a kid. What about school? Actually, yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty bored in school. I so how did that, school. what happened then? When you were bored in school, what would you do? Leave the classroom, go in the halls. And what if they stuff. didn't let you? I don't really remember, I mean. Okay, do you remember spitting and throwing chairs and being stuck in that little cubicle so you couldn't see anybody? Yeah. 
Is that from boredom or was it from something else? I think it's because it won't um, it won't draw attention to the other classmates. So you wanted them to pay more attention to you? No, um, they. Oh, uh, are you asking why I threw chairs and spit? Yeah, I know why they stuck you in the in the cubicle. They, you're right. They didn't want the other classmates to be paying attention to the way you behaved. That you were right about that. No, I want to know why you did it. Because I was so bored, and you know I couldn't learn things that the other students are learning, and and so. Mm. I don't think you have to feel bad about anything you did as a child, Rye. Let me tell everybody about you today. Um, so you've lived on your own for how long? How many years? Ten? Yeah. About ten? You've lived on your own for ten years. You've had various jobs. You maintained one job through the whole time with Rick. So you always have that job. You have run your own business. And right now you're thinking of lightening up the pressure on yourself and getting a job again so you don't have to run your own business all the time. Um, this is what I would call, you know, pretty darn successful. I haven't had to take care of you in a zillion years. So you can be very proud that you went from being the kid that had to get stuck in a cubicle because he was spitting and throwing chairs to being the man who can handle life. I don't think you have to feel bad about that. I would love you to share that. A lot of the people that listen to this show, they feel hopeless. They feel like, you know, if their child is spitting and throwing chairs, they feel like, you know, they'll never get anywhere. They'll never be successful. I want you to help them a little bit. Help them by telling them what it was like for you, what made you, just anything you know. Just share from your own experience. What made you act out in school? Anything you can remember so that they can know that for their kid. Okay. Um, I think I was like feeling bored and kind of low wave. And by low wave, what he means is that Rye has too many slow waves in his brain. I do neurofeedback, so we have learned to associate depression and difficulty focusing with a state of having too many low waves. Um, I'm just explaining that to the people, Rye, because most people don't have neurofeedback and they don't understand that terminology. So you were feeling down and heavy and like you couldn't focus and maybe a little sad, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And did that did scream did screaming and fighting and spitting and throwing chairs and running did all those things help wake up your brain? Yeah. All right. So there, that's the point of boredom, right? So when when you're bored, what happens? You want to do something. Yeah, to stimulate your brain. And so in class, how did they feel about that when you would want to do something goofy? Um. You felt that I misbehaved. Right. Even to the point where you had to go to a detention center, right? Right. Do you think that place helped you? Not really. Do you think school helped you? No. Do you think school hurt you? Yeah. Why? Tell us about it. Uh, because school is, they teach the wrong stuff, and a lot of the kids there think they're better than me, and there's, I've been bullied a lot there in right. school. Yeah. 
What about um, the way they taught? Do you think that the way they taught, like look at how I taught you and look at how they taught you. What's the difference and what works and what doesn't? Um, the way they teach is is according to the rules and the wrong stuff. And the way you teach is, is uh, outside the box and more flexible. Well, that's cool. So let's give them an example. For example, the rules might be um, Ryan needs to learn to sit quietly in a chair. So they can't get past the idea of you having to sit quietly in a chair before they teach you the next thing, right? Yeah. Okay. And what would I do? Uh, you would you would focus on me and talk with me and uh, not make me sit. Right. I'll give you an example. You were, when your brothers were little and they were going to um, daycare, and I thought, not daycare, sorry, uh, pre-kindergarten, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. They're doing circle time. I think I'll do circle time at home because I have so many kids. So I had Dar, who was nonverbal, and Cash, and Cash had a couple words, and you had no words, and... Um, and uh, Chance could speak quite a bit. And, and then there was the fact that you'd finally got to where you were walking, so you were running. You, didn't, you just crawled, 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 crawled until you were two, and then you ran and ran and ran and ran. So you were going through the house going zoom, 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 right? And I had the brothers in a circle, and Cash is pointing at you like it's not fair, and Chance is saying it's not fair. And I said, he's not ready. And so we were doing numbers. And every time you zoomed in, we would count, and then you would zoom out, and then you would zoom in, and we would count again. And so rather than making you sit in the circle, we taught you numbers by counting your zooms. Do you remember that? You were really little. Um, not really. I mean, I was so little. Yeah, but it's a great example, right, of not making you Because if I would have said, well, you can't move, it's circle time, do you think that would have been good or bad? Probably bad. Yeah, because you, you weren't ready, right? But you were ready to learn about counting as long as you were running. Right. So pretty quick, you were counting. It was cool. Yeah. Right. And I didn't know you were counting by the fact that you were talking because you weren't talking. You know how I would know? How? Oh. I would say, okay, Rye, five zooms, and then clap your hands. Oh, And you would yeah. do it. Not at first, but eventually. Oh, cool. Right? Because your brothers would do it. So you cared about being a part of them. But you didn't want to sit. So you would go zoom, zoom, and then you'd stop, and you'd give us that great big wry smile with those little wee teeth you had then and the big, big smile, and you would start clapping, and they'd all clap because they were counting too, and it was really great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So that's a way of being outside the box, of not saying, I can't teach him counting if he's not sitting still, right? Right. Okay. Can you think of an example? No. What about the RV? Do you remember anything about the RV that made life better? Yeah. What? Um, I had more freedom. You know what I remember is you learned how to play with other kids when we were traveling resort to resort to resort. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. You want to tell anything about that? Um, I've learned how to play pool. I learned how to play basketball. Right. And the other kids didn't, there wasn't a lot of kids to play with, so they would play with everybody that was available, and that's how you got invited onto the teams, right? Right. Yeah, it was very cool. 
And were you bored when we did that? No. So do you think when when you talk about um, boredom, do you think you could help people to understand the way you feel when you're bored? Yeah. Okay, tell them about it, because they're listening. I'm doing a lot of the talking, and I want them to hear it from you. So let's say you, today, even today, you spend the whole day Sunday with nothing to do. What will happen? Um, I tend to feel bored, and I would want to go out and go look for some yards to mow. Okay, so that's because you're very productive. Let's pretend it's pouring rain and you can't go out. And you have to stay in all day bored. Now what happens to you? Uh, either watch a movie or focus on my card, on my drawings or go out and, and, and enjoy the rain. Again, look how great you are. You're productive. What if you couldn't do those things? What if uh, you weren't allowed to do any of that? Oh, boy. It'd be, it'd be like being stuck in a prison cell. <laughs> and what would your feelings do? I don't know. Uh, just maybe do some push-ups or... You're awesome. Every yeah. one of your answers was an awareness that if you get bored, you need to do something because otherwise you're uncomfortable. So when, let's say you couldn't do anything. What if I just made you just sit in a chair and and wait and you couldn't take care of yourself? Do you think that you would then maybe spit and throw a chair? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. The reason I think this is important is because a lot of times, right, that's how it is at school. Or that's yeah. how it is when somebody's trying to train someone. They, they'll get people together um, and they'll say, okay, we're going to make a workforce. I've seen, in fact, I'll give you an exact example. When I first moved here, I was looking for a place for your brother to work, and they had this moving company of special needs people, and I thought, oh, maybe this will work for him. So I was checking it out, and all that would happen is all the special needs people would come and sit on the couches and then go home, and occasionally they got to carry something. So basically just sitting there bored. Um, do you, would you like a job like that? No. <laughs> what would happen to you? I'll get bored and I would want to spit in tortures. <laughs> right. Or, or run away or scream or yell at someone, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of people that have temper tantrums and you went through that. You had your temper tantrums and you had two kinds that I know of. Do you know what the two kinds are? No. The bored ones and the overwhelmed ones. Oh, okay. Right? So when life's too hard, then sometimes you would have a tantrum, and when life's too boring. Does that yeah. sound true? Yeah. So I think that the world tries to make life too easy for people because they're avoiding the one kind of tantrum, the overwhelmed one. And then they end up bored, and they still have the other tantrum. So here's what I want to get some help with. How did you get better? How did you manage to learn not to have tantrums even when you were overwhelmed? Um, I don't know. Um, I guess, I don't know. Well, just take a guess. It's okay. Um, I guess just enjoy what you do. But, okay, yeah. let's, let's get an example. Let's say um, 
you're trying to do your GED and you're working on the math and you get overwhelmed and you want to throw the book and rip it up, and you have done, so what would you do today? Um, take a break and go do something fun and then come back. And is it exactly the same as when you're bored then? Maybe do some push-ups, maybe work on your car designs, maybe go, right? Right. So go ahead and explain that because that's what people don't know. The same solution, different problem. Yeah. So talk about it a bit. Um, uh, for example, when I'm working on my car drawing, um, I usually get overwhelmed because it doesn't look right and... I couldn't get, I couldn't make it right, so I take a break. Uh, what do you do when you take a break? Watch a movie or go out and take a walk or, you know, stuff like that. Right. And that's what you would do when you were bored, too. Right. Right. So here's why why I think it's important. Do you think it's very important for someone who's developing their brain to have control so that they can make those choices? Yeah. So if you were talking to a parent with, with an autistic kid, what would you say to help them that they should do or ways they can help their child? What's your advice to them? Not to be controlling to them and give them freedom. I agree. When we lived in the, um, in the country, what was the best part about that? Um, I had freedom. Um, I can run out and be weird without people looking at me. Right. And what does that do? So let's say you go outside and you're weird and you make noises and you spank the trees and stuff. Then what happens in your feelings? Do you feel better? Do you feel more crazy? Or do you feel more normal? I feel better. Right. Do you know that some people are afraid that if they give that kind of freedom, that they'll just, the person will just get more crazy, more crazy, more crazy, instead of realizing that the person will go get that out of their system and come back and join the family? Yeah, there's people like that. Do you think it's true that if you give freedom to someone, they just get more crazy, more crazy, or do you think they get, um, get it out of their system? Just get it out of their system. I think it's both. I think you're right, but I also think it's both. I think it's important to do both, right? To, to So all the same things help you when you're bored as when you're overwhelmed. So it's all the same things, and you need freedom to do them. Um, but if nobody's standing there inviting you back into the family and teaching you about how to be with the family or how to be with the friends, then you, maybe you would. If I just left you in the woods and you were spanking trees and making noises, maybe you would just get crazier and crazier. What do you think? Uh, maybe. Yeah, like if I drop your brother off in the middle of the woods, do you think he'd get crazier and crazier, or do you think he'd make himself normal? Crazy and crazy. Oh. Right. So he needs more shape, right? He needs more instructions, oh. right? Right. And then as you get better and better then you don't need as many instructions and you can live on your own like you do. Yeah. What are you most proud of? Mm, I live on my own and I take care of myself. Do you have friends? Um, not really. Why do you think that is? You used to have friends and you seem to have less friends since you've been living on your own. Because I've been 
you know, taken advantage of. I've been treated like crap. So you're more careful now? Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Do you want friends? Um, sometimes. I mean... So what's your idea of a friend, right? What would a friend in you do? Do the same things that I'm interested in. Like sit and draw with you? Yeah, and mostly go out and, you know, do fun stuff together. Like what? You know, like hang out, play pool, stuff like that. Yeah. Go to car shows. Yeah. Go to movies, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I think that's very doable. It's just that you live in a kind of a rural area. It takes time. Um, all right. So I it, it, do you think there's anything that we should talk about before I say goodbye that would help people that have an autistic child and they're really frustrated because their kid keeps having tantrums? No. No? You think freedom's it? Yeah. Yeah, I do too. What about neurofeedback? Yeah. Yeah, does does that make the bigger difference, or does freedom make the bigger difference? If you had to only do one of the two, which one do you think is more important? Freedom. Okay. Um, I don't think we could have fixed your tics without neurofeedback, but the rest I agree. Well, thank you, Rye. I appreciate that you were willing to come on the show today. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. You can go ahead and hang up. Okay. Uh, can love we you. Love you, uh, Yeah, can you can call. I'll call you back in a minute. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, that was my son, Rye Shelton, filling in for Alexis, who never showed up. So, <laughs> so you know, sometimes you just make of life what you can, and that's sort of like living with uh, any family. It, they don't, you don't have to have autism to know you have to be flexible to survive in life. I think the most impactful thing that Rye shared with you is the in-the-box, out-of-the-box thing and the concept that we brought up of what a box is. A box is designed by society to keep you behaving in a certain way so that it can systematize you and it can organize and deliver things for you. And in some ways, this is a beautiful thing. Without some boxes, we can't systematize, we can't organize, we can't get you funding, we can't get you this and get you that. But unfortunately, um, we start doing this to children at a very young age and telling them what the box is like and how they have to behave in the box. And so by the time you're an adult and you're being asked to think outside of the box and come up with good answers for your family, um, you've already been basically developed, uh, your brain has been developed inside you in these loops of basically a box. You think in a box because that's the box that was delivered to you over and over and over again, and you were punished when you went outside and rewarded when you stayed inside, and you shored all that up. So now asking someone to come up with an answer that is different relies on the person who is always a bit iconoclastic or a bit of a rebel, and they were the ones that got in trouble all the time. So here's someone like Rye who has always thought outside the box and thinking inside the box was a literal impossibility. And even today, I could hear him thinking, oh, I don't know what she wants. So he has been affected a little by the box. He certainly is um, trying to deliver to the world what they want to see. But he just doesn't think like everyone else. And as a result, has been able to design a life on his own in after a fashion that he wants and has become very good at regulating himself because nobody makes him do it any other way. If you get nothing else from this show, 
besides the joy of listening to my cute little son, um, get the fact that it's important to give enough freedom so the person can learn self-regulation. If you don't, help them to recognize what regulates themselves so that they can become independent. They're not going to become independent, and the reason will be all of the box reinforcing you did, all of the making them sit and comply before reaching to learn how to help themselves. You have to teach that as you go. Um, Neurofeedback has been really instrumental in helping my son drop his tics and be more comfortable, all my sons. But, um, But really, the real magic is the magic we don't give. We get a diagnosis and we stop the freedom out there in the world in the box. And I'm saying get outside that box and give some freedom. Find a way to make it safe. But without freedom, there's no opportunity to learn from your mistakes. Without mistakes, there's no opportunity to learn what doesn't work so you don't know what does work. It really is an important piece. So he went out the window, around in the door. I got in trouble. I explained it. He, right, we, it was the process of living in the mess that enabled him to get a sophisticated enough brain to handle living on his own, and he's done it successfully for 10 years. Now he's had many adventures. I've told you about some of them. Um, And at present, he's a little suspicious of friends, and so he doesn't have many of those. But that, too, shall pass because he's had them in the past. The important thing is to know that he is satisfied and proud, and that comes from the opportunity to do stuff even before you're ready. All right? I'm Lynette Louisa, story teacher host, and I hope you enjoyed today's spontaneous show. (laughs) That was a little piece of story from the road at the end there, or just a wind-up. I I think uh, we've kind of just sort of told it all to you today. Uh, Talk to you next time. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Can't hear.